You know, it's it's such a privilege and pleasure to to be involved with people's lives as a church body. We've, you know, the Dawsons have been here for four years now. Three years. Three years. Okay, I was thinking it's four. Time. So, got to see her, got to spend a missions trip with the family with them and and uh just it's it's just exciting and uh so that that's what that's what the church is partly about is living in community and relationship with one another it's not just coming in and plopping down and you know paying your time and your service and things it's it's about living in life together and praying for one another so pray for these people matthew's going back to his second year of school we have a lot of young people um or his third year did i say second third third year Second at Life Pacific, um, and uh, and you know, pray for these young people. There, you know, each generation comes up. I, I go back in history, or I remember parents and grandparents. Each new generation of young people come, and the older generations go. This young generation's crazy. <laughs> you know, I mean, the music they listen to is always different, and the way they view life. And it, it's true. It's not that it's not true, but it, it's true, and it's true of this next generation the millennials in fact I think they have a really difficult time Christian millennials have a really difficult time ahead of them um, and it's it's changing and uh, fashioning and shaping our message it's, it's changing and fashioning our, our government the, our way of life uh, predominantly it's it's this millennial shift that's having such a strong impact and honestly it's not necessarily for the best now, there are some things that they're bringing to the table, like any generation, that's, it's wonderful. Um, but millennials tend to be um, more liberal than older generations, um, accepting of, of um, almost any lifestyle because there's no judgment. And, and, um, and so the millennials that are coming up as a whole, as a generation, um, they don't have or understand what a, a, a biblical, spiritualistic worldview is looking at life through the lens of the Bible instead of just culture. And they're creating their own culture. Um, you know, not that these are matter, but some of the things happening in millennials, they get married later. Average age for getting married is 27 years old for a girl and 28 years old for a man. That's the average now. And I mean, you know, go back 60 years and it was probably about 19 or 20. So they're getting married later. They're doing their careers. They're living at home longer. Some of you even know that one. Yeah, I can't get rid of them. The men have man buns. What is that? Anyways. Um, but, but, but this young generation that's growing up as, as millennials, they're, gonna be, they're being launched, like Ellie's being launched, uh, into this life. And so we want to pray that, that these young people who know Jesus would, would be able to walk and, and keep their uh, focus on Jesus and keep their uh, understanding that um, the Bible really is relevant still for today. Um, one of the things that millennials are, uh, they are do-gooders. And that's a good thing. Millennials, millennials are involved in... Um, work projects more than probably generations before. They're, they're wanting to go on, in Peace Corps. They're wanting to do things um, or at least see things happen. Some of them aren't always doing it, but they're wanting to see it happen. And, and that, that's really good. But that actually goes in part um, to something that's dangerous spiritually for millennials 
And it's the same thing that we've, we've faced also. Some of you um, grew up in the Jesus movement, in the hippie, which in the church then became the Jesus movement. Any of you uh, maybe, you know, 12, 12 years old around 1970 or that age, you know, 12 or older, you kind of grew up in, in the hippie generation um, and in the, in the church was the Jesus movement. So we've seen a lot of changes over the last number of years and we're seeing one right now. Uh, I'm not not political, but I honestly I just can't believe um, the things that presidential candidates do. I mean, you know, the, so unpresidential, and and I think they're getting away with it because as as a generation, as a people, we are abandoning all kind of rules and, and regulations and whatever, and we just kind of do whatever we want to do. And now it's, it's actually it's in the White House. And so it's very interesting times. All this really kind of um, talks about, to, to somebody who's going to come around, where we're going to be in Acts uh, this morning, Acts chapter 10. And I got to move in. We, we got through, uh, a couple weeks ago, we, we got through part of Acts chapter 9. At the end of Acts chapter 9, it's some great stuff. I encourage you to be reading with us and reading ahead. Reading ahead a couple chapters each week just to, just to see what's going on in the book of Acts. Remember that Acts is the birth of the church. It's, it's the history book of the New Testament. Um, it's very important for us to know the history and things going on. A couple of things that happen at the end of Acts chapter 9, we won't, we won't go over them deeply at all. But uh, Peter, um, he goes... Uh, through, a, through a couple of different areas and he heals a guy named Aeneas who's paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Uh, then he gets called because a girl named Tabitha Dorcas, if I, my name was Dorcas I'd probably want to be called Tabitha too. Um, she, she dies and they call for Peter to come and he, he actually goes in and they're all crying and he goes in puts everyone else out and he prays for her and she comes back from the dead which is really cool. On the other hand, I would have been like, you know, you could have just left me there because being in heaven is, is pretty cool. Um, and so that's kind of the end of ch- Acts chapter 9. So the Holy Spirit is moving through Peter. Peter's preaching. People are getting saved. In fact, something is really uh, neat here in Acts chapter 9. It said, uh, for verse 34, Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. Verse 35, so all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Wow. That's that's all who saw it turned to the Lord. That's powerful. And so next thing you know, that's when Dorcas gets restored to life. And we end up in in, in Acts chapter 10. Um, And we we, want to kind of spend a little bit of time to know the story of Acts chapter 10. It's it's a little bit long of a uh, chapter. We're not going to read it. It's 48 verses. Um, But uh, Cornelius is a Gentile. He's a centurion, and um, he has a vision that he's supposed to send for Peter. And at the same time, uh, Peter is, is, you know, you, you can read this, but, you know, Peter's kind of hanging out with the other disciples. He's hungry. He goes up to pray while he's waiting for lunch. And this Hebrew of Hebrews sees a big sheet come down. He flies, he goes in a trance, he has a vision. And in this big sheet, you know, he's hungry. So this is why I think God used this. There was all these animals, but they were not 
clean animals. They were unclean for Jewish people. And in this, God says to Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter says, no, God, I've never eaten anything unclean or unpure. I'm not going to do it. And God says to him, don't call anything unclean that I have made clean or that I am, that I am accepting. And so, so right then, this Cornelius, who's a Gentile, they send the delegation, they get Peter. They bring Peter back to, to Cornelius. And Peter goes with him. Now, I'm kind of going through this quick so we don't have a lot of time. Jews really couldn't have any relationships with Gentiles. And it's because they were unclean people. So they didn't have fellowship. They, they didn't do, they wouldn't, um, you know, Peter wouldn't normally go. And so Peter is breaking a rule. But he says, but, but God told me to not call anything unclean that God wants to reach. And so that's, that's the beginning of chapter 10. I, I encourage you to read it because there's some really good stuff in there. Read it, read it slow, read it a few times. Verse 24, Peter meets Cornelius and uh, Cornelius invited all of his friends over. Isn't that great? You know, I mean, Cornelius is like, listen, Peter the Jew, the Christian, and they're not Christians yet, that's going to happen in chapter 11, he's coming and so I want all my friends and family to come and listen to what he has to say now Cornelius is well uh, respected among the Jews he's got a good relationship in fact I don't want to miss this part here because I almost went over it it said uh, back in verse 2 of chapter 10 says that Cornelius was a devout man and one who feared God with all of his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Hey, that is a good, good uh, reputation. That's a good thing to say. He was God-fearing. He was good. He gave alms, which we learned a few weeks ago. It wasn't just money. It was giving mercy, but he would give um, uh, help to those who needed it, and he prayed all the time. Wouldn't you like to have people be able to say that about you? I would. That I was a man of God who feared God, who prayed. So this is Cornelius. Cornelius is not a dirty, yucky Gentile. He is a, a, a Gentile who loves God, who fears God, who gives, who, who does social justice things. Okay? He might be a millennial. But he's not Jewish. And he's not a Christian yet. So Peter shows up and... Um, you know, Cornelius falls down, tries to worship him. Uh, Peter lifts him up saying, I myself am a man. And they go on and they begin to talk. And, and Peter says, you know, yeah, I came because God told me, because normally I wouldn't associate with you type of people. And he's holding himself still a little bit out there. But he's, he's trying to understand God, is, God has got a message. And so over the, the next part here um, is Peter preaching to Cornelius' household. And I was reading this over and over again, and I went, was Cornelius a believer? Well, he feared God. But was he, quote-unquote, saved? Well, Peter preaches the truth of Jesus to this good man. This man who fears God, who gives alms to the poor, who uh, prays all the time. And yet God said, I want Peter to preach to this man because he wanted them in the kingdom of God. 
So don't let that escape, because that's really the focus of, of this morning. Um, he he uh, Peter starts going, and, and he says, he says uh, um, in every nation, whoever fears him, God works, and works righteousness is accepted by him. He goes on and talks about the whole thing of Jesus, how he came, he died, he was crucified, he, raised, he was ra- risen. Um, and then at verse 43... Is, is key here, is one of the keys. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. This is, this is the key uh, for, for Cornelius and his household. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. The circumcision or the Jews who believed were astonished because the guys started speaking in tongues and they said, hey, they're, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They Shouldn't they be able to be baptized as well? Is a side note for those of you who think you have to be baptized to be saved. The Holy Spirit fell on those before they were baptized. They were speaking in tongues. No, you do not have to be baptized to be saved. But if you're saved, you will be baptized. Because Jesus said to be baptized, go and baptize. And so they preach the gospel. Um, the Holy Spirit falls and they're converted. What was the gospel? That remission of sins is preached in the name of Jesus. One of the messages that's, that's happening in the, ch- in the world and it's coming into the church more and more and you're feeling it. You might not recognize it, but this morning I'm, I'm, I pray that you will begin to recognize that it's getting more and more prevalent. You can be good. You can love God. You don't have to love Jesus. There's many ways to heaven and they're all the same God. The Jewish God is the same as the Muslim God, is the same as the Christian God. And so we're all okay, especially as long as you're doing good. Didn't Jesus say, love your neighbor as yourself? That's what I'm doing. That's what people are doing. We don't have to read the Bible. We don't have to believe the Bible. You can if you want. But I might read something else, and we're all okay together. And if you believe anything besides that, you're judgmental. They throw that in there whether they literally say it or they just insinuate it, and we are left feeling that, oh, well, maybe it's true. I don't want to be judgmental. And then they say, because they know the Bible so much better than we do, they say that we're not supposed to judge. And we go, oh, man, that sounds right. You know what? We're actually called to judge. We're called to know the truth separate good from evil. We're called to judge circumstances in the church. In fact, we're, we're, cri- we're criticizing, like, what are you doing taking somebody else to court who's a brother? Isn't there someone wise enough to judge among you? Don't you know that you'll judge the angels? But we're told we're never to judge. See, everyone's confused, and so they're putting these things, and it's coming in more and more to the church. Cornelius was a good guy. In fact, put him up to, to a lot of Christians and he, and he might have had better works than them. He feared God. He gave alms. He prayed all the time. He was, had a good reputation. Uh, he was respected by the Jews. And yet, God said, Peter, he needs the gospel preached to him because he doesn't know me. Now, I'm talking to us as believers who know Christ. Now, I want to lift us up this morning because 
be, be, and, and encourage you that, that if you're in here and you've called on the name of Jesus to be your Savior and you know that He is the only way, the Bible says that wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Many find it. Narrow is the gate that leads to, to eternal life. And few find it. If you know Jesus, your Savior, you're part of the few, the proud, the Christians. I mean, you really, I mean, like God, you know, you praise God that you answered the call, that he opened your eyes and you received that and you're on the straight and narrow. The problem is, is now that you're on the straight and narrow, your friends, relatives, and other people, including sometimes churches, are coming and trying to beat you off track a little bit, saying, you know, you're okay there, but you need to understand that so were they. And so were they, and we're all going to get to the other side, and we're going to find out that there's actually three or four or five bridges across the chasm. There's not. There's not. So it's not about, uh, what I don't want us to feel is like, well, we're elite. We have the truth. See, Peter was kind of like that. Hey, we have the truth. We're Jews, and we're not going to give it to anyone. The Gentiles don't need it. And God says, yes, they do. There's groups of people that today we might say that about. You know, are they, are they beyond salvation? Will they get saved? What about those Muslims? Sure, we want to see them get saved, but do we believe that they can? <sighs> They're radicalized Muslims. They should just die. And we giggle, but then, did you notice how quick the giggling stopped? Because many of us have said that. And yet, we realize because we're in church, oh, wait, maybe that's not the best idea. Maybe rather than dying, they need to be saved. We need to pray for them. Whether they're good intentioned, whether it's their fault that they were born in a Muslim country that doesn't preach Jesus, they need Jesus. The Bible says everyone needs Jesus. Now, what's, what, what, what we come to is if you know Christ today, we're Peter's in here. We have the truth, and God is speaking to us to take the truth, the gospel, to other people. And some of the people that he wants us to take it to, they're unclean. They're different than you. But he's going to use you to open up the gospel to other people. Because, see, there's so many um, arguments, and there's so much knowledge, and there's so many opinions I hear you. Know, I, I don't know if I hear more than, than others because people like to tell me what's what's going on, you know. But I hear it in the church. You know, there's there's a group of people who are like, I'm buying guns, and getting property, and we're gonna bug out because it's gonna get really bad. And, and and then there's others like, no, we're just you know it's all good, and we're all just gonna sing kumbaya. And then and, you know and the, and the, yeah, but we got all these different. The, the ideas and well, what, is, what does God want us to do? Well, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries about itself. Today, there's plenty of worries. Who's got enough worries today? Okay, good. We're all in the same boat. You know, we come to church for an hour and a half just so we can forget about our worries. We, you know, we, it's like, you know, we leave out those doors and like they jump back on us. Maybe today, go out the back door. Don't let the worries jump back on you. But we've got all these worries, and yet we're, 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 we're concerned about planning these things. No, you know, I'm not saying you can't have a retirement fund or buy a house. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but let's focus on what God has got for us and live, live for him today. And what is his plan? He wants to reach the Gentiles. Put, put whatever word you want in there. Whatever group of people. 
because he loves him. Now, this is really cool. This is... God liked Cornelius. He was unsaved, unclean, but you could see something in him. He says, send him. He's devout. He's, send Peter, because I love Cornelius. Was he even praying to the right God? See, God loves everyone. Remember? The, the one verse that, they, that even the people who watch football games can quote. Because <laughs> they got the big banners. John 3.16 For God so loved the world. He loves the world. He loves the Muslim. He loves the Buddhist. He loves the Hindu. He loves the Democrat. He loves the... <laughs> He loves the Republican. He still loves Republicans. You know, I mean, in, I mean uh, it's always kind of right. But no, I mean, he loves every one of us. Now, I'm going I'm to throw this in real quick. This is kind of extra. We're not all his children. And I don't know if you've been challenged with that. I have been. And even when I say that, I'm going, oh, is it true? Because I want to say, well, everyone's God's children. Not until they accept him. Not until they're grafted in. He lo- he, did he make them? Yes. And we could, we could debate that. And we could come up, well, yeah, I guess if he made you, maybe he should. No, but, but, but he, we're not all of his children. Because we say, people say, we're all his children, so therefore he loves us all, so therefore nobody is going to go to hell. And we go, oh, that sounds, sounds so nice. But he gave us the Bible. And he says that he loves the people and they need, to, they need to come to him. And so, that, that's it. What, we're kind of in a classroom where we're a little bit bigger this morning. What were they beginning, those who've been here for a few weeks, a few months, what were Christians called here the early part of the book of Acts? They were part of the way. That's what Christians were known as. They were part of the way. Well, that's a good title. There is one way, the Bible says, to Jesus. One way to heaven. Unless a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Repent. You need remission of sins. This is salvation. We are part of the way. Thing is, is there's a lot of people around us who aren't, and they need to know. And then we need to be secure in our understanding. Secure that, that Jesus died for people's sins and he wants them to go to heaven and that the only reason they're going to go is because they hear. The Bible says, how can they hear unless somebody preaches and how can somebody preach unless they're sent? Today we're all being sent to share our faith and to be bold and confident. This is that there's only one way. You know, we've so many, so many great illustrations of this, but uh, you know, n- none of them are ever ever foolproof because there's always always something. But somebody carrying a cinder block as they're riding in a boat, they say, "Well, somebody told me if I have a cinder block and I fall into the water, I'll be safe." And we and we laugh, we laugh because of course that's just ridiculous. But see the new idea would be for us to say 
If that works for you, I'm really happy for you. (laughs) You have your way, and I have my life jacket. And floaty boots and blow-up duckies and everything else, because I'm really secure here. But, you know, if that works for you, if holding that brick makes you feel good, who am I to tell you that you're wrong? I don't want to judge you. So have fun. We laugh, but isn't that what's being said? (laughs) And we quiet down and have become, or becoming, we're not there yet, the the silent, mute majority. 2014, 70.6% of the United States identified as Christian. 70.6. Who feels like it's 22.3? You know, I mean, like, are there any Christians left? Why? Because we've been told, shh. And so we are. We're quiet, we're silent, and what's happening? We went from 77% to 70% in six years. Our numbers are falling because we are buying in as a whole to the lie. But we have the way. We know the way. It's awesome. And I'm looking at people, man, you, you have inroads to, to preach the gospel. And we got we to gotta keep coming back to the word of God to make sure that what we believe is true. Because people are yelling, screaming what's in the Bible. And there's people teaching and preaching. We need to come back and understand and be peep students of the Word of God to know what is right and what is true. We're supposed to be workmen who are not ashamed, who rightly divide the Word of truth. And, I, and that's what God is calling us to. And I believe that the end is not yet here and there is a great thing coming. I'm going to ask Robin to come. Um... She came across a, a word, and she shared it with me. We're going to turn that on. Um, this is from a, a, a woman who believes she, she was, she's actually in Ireland. She was born in Africa. She's a missionary. She was born in Africa. She's now in Ireland, and, um, and well, she, it kind of says, says the word. So I'm just going to let Robin read that to us. Thanks. There it is. Disability, so I'm home all the time, and I I probably spend way too much time watching news and on Facebook. But so when these fires started, I was I actually had my laptop in, in, on my lap, and I was looking at that. But I was watching the news, and I was watching the fires, and I don't know if you guys saw the huge cross that just went up in flames. But it just kind of freaked me out, you know. So I was just like, wow, Lord, you know. And I'm like, there must be some significance or something in that. And it was just like the Lord in my spirit so told me I'm I'm purging the land. And then, you know, I was thinking about the scripture in Isaiah. I was really grieving, you know, for these people that are losing everything. And, And in the 
floods and everything. I mean, I was really, really grieving for these people. I can't imagine being displaced from my home. Anyway, and the scripture, you know, in Isaiah is, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then, you know, I, I saw that on my Facebook, and I didn't see this other part until later. And then I read, this is not a, this is not a word for me, mm-hmm. but like Rob, Rob said, and it just so resonated in my spirit, and I just <coughs> felt like, you know, I got to share this. With, with me, myself personally, you know, it, it's really easy to be tempted to get really anxious what's happening in our country and the world. And um, so when I came across this, it, it just really amazed me and I'm humbled because I just so feel like it's, it's from the lips of the Lord and it's for our churches and for our time. And anyway, so I'll read it to you. Says the scout says, I see fires, floods, and a new foundation. Early this morning, I woke to smell of smoke and the deep sounds of crackling wood, and I felt an extreme intensity of heat that emanated from the raging fire. Suddenly, I heard these words Watch, for a momentous wind of my spirit now brings forth a purifying and cleansing fire upon the nations that will move swiftly across the land from north to south, and from the east to the west, for I am accelerating the time of visitation and encounter, says God. The time for my ecclesia to arise Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and come forth is now. There are those that will say, this is the handiwork of darkness, but I say to you, this is my word made manifest, for even now the fires of my glory are clearing and creating new pathways in the realms of the spirit. Beloved, get ready. The waters are rising, rising, rising. For the rivers of redemption and restoration are now flowing forth with greater power and kingdom for purpose in nations, says the Spirit of God. For I am purifying and preparing the way for the time of the great harvest is upon you. Watch, I am shifting, reshaping, and realigning the borders and boundaries of the nations. I am building and creating new bridges in this hour, bridges over troubled waters. See the fire in the wind of my spirit is now moving across the threshing floor, for I am sifting and separating the wheat from the tares. This is the time of a great unveiling and revealing of my beloved Ecclesia, says God. See, the wilderness shall bloom, and an army of mighty warriors will emerge from the fires of purification in my name. For there is a divine rearrangement and a new order of things taking place in this hour upon the earth. For the time is short, says God. <coughs> the principalities and powers of wickedness and darkness cannot stand in the pathway of the fires of my glory. Listen for the sound of the gavel of my justice and vindication will now be heard from the courts of heaven. For I am breaking the seals and reconciling the books of Gentile nations. Watch, for I am preparing, rebuilding, and establishing a new foundation 
for my kingdom is my kingdom to come and for my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, says God. I just think that's amazing. Amen. Thank you. It's so easy in the natural, you know, to look at these things and kind of get freaked out, but but God is with us. Amen. And he's doing amazing things. Yes. Thank you guys. Amen. Purifying, restoring, sifting. These are not bad words, but they're, they're, they're scary because when you purify something, you've got to get all the yuck out of it, all the junk. You know, and so God's going to be doing that. I believe this is, a, this is a true word because that's what he always wants to do. That's why, you know, prophetic words, you've got to be careful, you know, but these line up exactly with the heart of God. God wants to, to, to purify us. He's looking for your pure, pure spotless bride. First uh, Peter 4 talks about, it says, the end of all things is near, so be sober-minded, be ready, serious, watchful in your prayers. In verse 17, it says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. So, so it's, this is scripture where he's going to come and he's going to, he wants to purify us, but he's not done. He wants to build bridges. He wants to bring the lost in. But what's he going to bring it into? You know, do we have the, the right gospel? Do we know the truth? Are we walking in the truth? If somebody came up to us and, 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 and wanted to know how to get to heaven, could we tell them? Would we understand Christianity? You know, he wants to do a purifying work, and I, I want to be ready. I want to encourage us to keep pressing into him because the, the enemy is going to come in. In fact, uh, verse 12, same thing. First Peter 4, it's a great chapter. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange, some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, if you have opened your mouth about Jesus, you've been reproached. I mean, and if it hasn't, it's going to happen. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. So we want to continue. We want to continue to, to uh, lift him up and to share him with our friends and neighbors and to know, don't, be, don't buy into the lie that you are narrow-minded, closed-minded, bigoted, judgmental. Now, you're not supposed to be rude. In fact, it goes on in there. It says, don't, if you're going to get in trouble, don't do it for being a murderer or a meddler or a gossip. We need to be, we need to be living for the Lord. But, but don't buy into that because their cinder block is not going to help them float. He's not. It ain't going to help them in the day. Here's the problem. We don't get to find out until the end. And at the end, it's too late. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. Just chill, baby. You know, just let people do what they want to do. And no, we want to love people. Love them so much that we don't let them go to hell. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a hard mess, but it's, I want us to be, be encouraged too. It's like, you are okay. If you know Christ, if you're following Him, if you're open to that purifying work of God in your life, you're in a good place, church. Keep on keeping on. Don't move to the left or to the right. Put your eyes on Jesus. And move forward in this, in this crazy land. You know, keep, 
he's going straight. You know, everyone else in this, this world, they're just going around in circles like they're on a phonograph or something. You know, just We have a direction we're going. It's Jesus. And we want to bring as many people as we can in the end times. Father, we thank you that you are the truth. Your word is truth, the Bible says. You are the way, the truth, and the life. God, we don't want to just walk around in circles like so many people do today. New philosophies, new theologies. We thank you that you gave us your word. Then you gave us your Holy Spirit to help us through the tumultuous times. God, uh, the confusing times. We thank you for other believers who helped to to guide us along and to not leave, not abandon the truth. God, we don't want to be those, as the Bible says, who lay up teachers who will teach us the things that our itching ears want to hear. God, we want to be those who, who like the Bereans, we want to study the scriptures. We want, to, we want to see what is truth. We want to rightly divide this word of truth. I thank you for the body of Christ here at Christian Center that, that uh, we'll make a difference in this valley. God, that we don't want to be a statistic where Christianity is dwindling, God. We want to be one of these places. They say, you know, in, in a lot of places, the, 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 the Christianity might be, be dwindling, but boy, in Big Bear, people are getting saved, born again, and discipled. Something's happening there. God, we also pray for one another, that you would help, encourage those that are sitting to our left or to our right today. God, help them to make their faith in election sure today. God, encourage them to surrender anything they might have to you and, and that you will come and minister and bless them, lift them up. Hallelujah.